Welcome back to the Social Seller Podcast with Connor Paulson. Today we have a special guest and we're going to hop right in. It is David Perez. Now, just to give you some quick context if you don't know David yet, he is first and foremost a humanitarian, a serial entrepreneur. He has a 40-year professional career launching disruptive technologies. I mean, looking into your details, I mean, there's patents, there's awards. I, I don't, I'm not going to list them all because there's a lot. And you are also the co-founder at Nourish.me. And a big part there is you're enhancing the vitality of people's mind and body. David, thank you for being here today. And you just made us a, a concoction here. You, you have two drinks in front of us in, in really nice glass and a, a peach color. What are we sipping on? This is uh, turmeric curcumin. Thank you, uh, Connor, for having me on your show here. And uh, we say in the Hebrew, l'chaim. Chaim. So... Um, Make a toast to uh, my stepfather who just passed away a couple of days ago. We buried him yesterday. So uh, we, uh, we used to toast every Friday night at our Sabbath dinner. So um, I, have, I come from a lineage of uh, interesting um, family. I was born in Morocco, Casablanca. And at the age of two years old, I went to um, Montreal and lived there for five years. And then I came to the U.S. when I was seven years old. Wow. Yeah. So... And here I am from New Jersey to Los Angeles to San Diego. And uh, I, uh, I love this country. It's an amazing country. What were your first memories at seven years old? Do you have a, a first memory? Well, my first language is French. Oh. My second language is Hebrew. And my third language is English. So um, from the time I was, you know, Prior to 10 years old, very little memories. I had a very abusive father, and um, he was not a good man. So my real biological father was uh, a, uh, a, a, just a terrible human being who would beat his children every day and my mother every day. And uh, at 10 years old, uh, the police took him away, and, uh, and that was it. So for all intents and purposes, I had a stepfather at the age of 12 who took us out of the, the hood in New Jersey and brought us into a a uh, upper middle class upbringing and good high school and then I he convinced me to go to college I dropped out my third year in college and uh, we had a very successful business my sisters and I uh, in in New Jersey and and also in California here so and I, I thank that that education the opportunity my stepfather had given me uh, to uh, make me the man I am today taught me how to sell at the age of 12 what what did that first what, I, I'm guessing you looked up to this individual, your stepfather. What was it? His name was Irv. Irv? Isaac. Isaac? Yeah. Growing up, and when you think back to him, and, and the leader he was, what, what traits come to mind? What, what was he? He, he, was, um, he was a provider. You know, He had five kids of his own, plus four, my three older sisters and I. So we had nine kids. He had nine kids. Wow. And he was an entrepreneur. You know, He had a uh, carpet business, and then he had a nightclub. Uh, he had to close it because somebody got killed in Philadelphia. Uh, and, and then he, got, he, he had a patent in, in a safe. He patented a little metal box. You'll see these safes all over. They're in every single, underneath every register at Walmart and Target. And they have a little slot. And he taught me how to sell that product when he developed it. And it was interesting. He took a box and he built a cash management system that you should only keep no more than $200 cash in a cash register. So, so and it, it was interesting that his whole concept behind this safe was not from being robbed. It was 
employee. The biggest theft there are is employee theft. So he taught me about how to just build systems and be creative and, and patterns and flows and, and just analyze a business. So he took a box and he sold hundreds of millions of dollars of this stuff. He patented it. He was making them all over the world. And today they're everywhere. They're under every cash register at 7-Eleven. You know, it was called Bonafide Factory Products. And, you know, it was interesting how he had a little slot and you couldn't fish. You know, you know once you put the cash in, it stays in, you know. Yeah. So, you know, this started back in the uh, 70s and 80s. So think about that, you know. And what age were you when you were selling these? 12. I was 12 years 12 old. 12 years old selling yeah. these. Yeah, he taught me, uh, he took me to a trade show at uh, the McCormick Center in Chicago. And uh, all the security was the biggest security convention. All the loss prevention officers were there. And he showed me how to take an institutional approach to sales. And he says, don't ever sell on price. Sell on the benefits, the value and create value. Once you have a value proposition and you have a unique selling proposition that once the customer asks you what the price is, then you know you have them sold. If they're not interested, they'll never ask you what the price is. So I've always uh, marketed products. We were the largest Sony dealer in America for five years back in, uh, in the early 80s. My, my, yeah, in New Jersey, Philadelphia. Yeah. So yeah. Electronics or? Electronics. We had, uh, we were, we started out in the video and cable business right from high school. I started my business when I was 14, 15 years old. I was uh, just about to turn 15 and I decided to um, sell electronics in high school because I was managing an electronics store in Philadelphia. So they would let me take the car stereos and then in 1985 I got into the car phone business. So we were one of the largest dealers in New Jersey, Delaware, Philadelphia and California. We're privately owned. You said car phone? Car phones, yeah. 1985, 1986. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's probably before you were born. So for, for any viewers that, that were before a millennial, so I, I had a couple friends that had vehicles that, that still had them. I don't know if they were really active, but can we just... It, so it, was this at the same time period that a cell phone came out? Or? So the car phones were cell phones back then. That was the gotcha. same one. So they're, they're, prior to that, they were IMTS, but the cell phones... They turned the network on in 85 uh, in Chicago first, then New York, then Los Angeles. Philadelphia was four or five. Uh, so you had a choice. You could buy from the local phone company. And, you know, Philadelphia, New Jersey, Delaware was Pacific Bell, which was packed. I'm sorry, it was uh, Bell Atlantic. And California was Pacific Bell. So there was different regional telephone companies, which eventually became Cellular One and then uh, Singular. So they kind of bought them all. And then T-Mobile came in. So there was uh, very little competition. There was only two carriers in each market, the A carrier, the B carrier. And the phones back then, we were selling for four or $5,000. So it was, wow. it was expand. And the portable phones were like either briefcase phones uh, or the big you know, Motorola 8000, which was like $6,000. So oh, it was an interesting uh, business because we used to charge $500 to install them. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Very interesting. This sounds similar. I, I have a... A theory that the friends in my life that have come from the Northeast or spent a decent amount of time, especially if they were in some version of sales, they always have some of the most interesting stories. And, and I feel like things just move at a different pace. Uh, a similar story with a guy named Gary. He's a, a neighbor here in the building. And he was the most successful BMW salesperson on the East Coast. They moved him from all over the place, back and forth. He got to go on the cruises and things. Now he's just happy, laid back. His wife, Mary, incredible lady, got to work under Steve Jobs at Pixar, right? And the, they're just two happy people. I think he's actually out by the pool hanging out, right? When you do well enough. But he talked about LoJack um, and that same technology that I 
would I believe came. That was GPS LoJack, yeah. Right? Yeah, and they were using the GPS network. Uh, eventually, they tried to go to a cellular network, I think. I'm, I'm not positive about that. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, the LoJack didn't work if you were in a parking garage or something. So Sorry. that was the problem. It had to have a direct line of sight. You know, there, there was not too many towers back then. Towers mm -hmm. were very expensive. So, you know, in California, they may have had 50 towers. In New Jersey, they may have had 10, you know, like South Jersey. Uh, but the, the networks today are a lot more mature. But the phones back then were very high-powered because, you know, you had a lot of radio frequencies and, and the power was, you know, three watts. Today, they're like milliwatts. Everything is milliwatts. So because they're, you know, the pow towers, like 5G's everywhere. I mean, you've got thousands of towers in every city. You know, we're surrounded by towers right now. If you, there's apps right now. You can see how much RF interference. I have a meter at home that I can measure it. So you get bombarded with RF. So it's a good idea maybe to shut your, uh, your power strip off with your Wi-Fi when you go to bed at night. Don't keep your phone by you. Put it on airplane mode. Uh, you're getting bombarded with a lot of signals. It's not very healthy, you know, but... I'm the guy who's been talking on cell phones since 1985, you know, literally 10, 12 hours a day. My whole life is around, you know, on the phone communications, you know. I love it. And, and you have decades and decades of professional experience as a, a, a quality communicator, a leader of organizations. And the big one is the humanitarian. And, and I'm excited because towards the end, uh, we have a, a surprise for you, and, and this is one of the first interviews where we've actually got to lay some, some cool stuff out, and there's a whole story behind this. Biohacking is something that's gotten a lot of interest. I have a feeling that you were probably in biohacking before it was called biohacking in the last, like, I don't know, I feel like the term started getting a lot of spice in the last three to five years, but maybe it was around before. You've had this success, as far as I've understood, in business, and you continue to did you, when did you start valuing your health? Did you hit success first? Because I see that a lot of times where, and I actually know, I see both sides. So yeah, it, when did you start valuing your health as, as a priority? I moved out of the house when I was 17 years old and graduated high school. I built my own place. Um, I had a beautiful condo, uh, three bedroom condo, and um, I bought all my dream cars at a very young age. You know, I had every car you could imagine. Uh, and I love fast cars, driving fast, and um, I valued my health at the age of 17. I wow. moved out and I started to cook for myself. And I, Mr., one of the former Mr. Olympians used to pick me up, take me to Gold's Gym at 5.30 in the morning, and every night we would cook dinner together and work out, so I spent two, three hours every day working out, seven days a week. I, I do hot yoga sculpt now every day, Every morning, my meditation and yoga, it's a must. I can't start my day without it. I bring my son Aaron with me, my son Isaac, even my daughter, 14 years old. She's been going to yoga for many years. Um, but um, we're very into clean eating, no drugs, no alcohol. I don't drink. I'm allergic to alcohol. Wow. Wine puts me to sleep. So I've been a clean eater most of my life. Um, you know, I, uh, I did have a wake-up call when I got separated, divorced seven years ago. I had, uh, was diagnosed with something that I ended up uh, having to deal with and, and took me five months to get rid of it uh, with just uh, improving my diet. I became uh, vegan for five months, lost a lot of weight, uh, but I ended up um, rebounding. They say, you know, the comeback is always greater than the setback. And so health is something I've always taken seriously. I've, uh, I've owned some uh, water companies. I've uh, invested in cancer research back uh, in 2005 and cancer vaccines. 
Uh, I've always been uh, an advocate uh, for trying to find, um, you know, a way to help people that have inflammation, cancer, that are dehydrated, and you know, whether it's nutritional. We, our family built a, a company called Suja Juice, uh, and I built the factories for them. Um, I was there for three and a half years. Uh, then I started Nourish Me. Uh, from from Suja, I, I went on to start Nourish Me. Uh, so, you know, we also have another energy drink company called Rowdy Energy. My brother-in-law is running. Uh, I help him with some of the formulations. We got some exciting news that uh, we're announcing in the next few months there. Uh, there's a weight loss drink, which is interesting. You could burn 150 calories per can, clinically wow. proven. And it's all, it's a, it's a healthy energy drink to go after Monster and after Red Bull and, and uh, some of the other, you know, rock star, the stuff that's really toxic for you. So we decided to come out with a healthy energy drink. Uh, his partner's Kyle Bush, you know, the race car driver. So wow. we're always looking and proving people's health every day. The conversations at our tables every uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday is about how can we improve our own health. So we want all, everybody wants to live longer, but we want to improve the quality of life. Yes. And quality of life is everything. There's no sense living to be 90 and, and not being able to, to walk. You know, that's my stepfather took, you know, 25 vitamins since I've met him, since I was, you know, he was always in the health kick. He had a heart transplant. He took care of his body. He exercised. He played tennis till he was 86 years old. Wow. Every day he played tennis. So, you know, he was an advocate for good health. He was a good role model for me. And that's why our families always, you know, thank God we're blessed. Everybody's got their health. And that's what we, we, you know, we believe in being able to share that knowledge with so many people. And, you know, uh, I was uh, in a car accident five years ago. And um, my daughter was with me right here at the UTC mall. We were rear-ended. And um, my lower back was just completely blown out. I had a terrible sciatica. I was in so much pain for 10 months. I couldn't sleep. Um, I couldn't lay down. I, I couldn't sit for more than five, 10 minutes in a car. I had to get up. Uh, and it, my leg would just go numb. And I tried every single remedy. I was on a morphine drip for three days, Percocets for two weeks. I even had five epidurals, no pain relief over 10 months. So I went around the world looking for natural remedies. And, um, I met somebody in South Africa who took me to University of Miami and my partner at University of Miami took me to Amsterdam and the guy gave me this bottle here. I took 10 drops and one hour all my pain went away. What? Yeah. So I said, I said, that's not, I was like, that's impossible. So I bought three more bottles from him and I gave them to family and friends. Everybody has arthritis, people had migraines, one guy had concussions, football player. Everybody had the same response that I had. Their pain and inflammation went away in minutes and hours. So I knew we had something special. So I asked these guys if they would license this to me. And they said, hey, listen, we're leaving the university in a couple years. Why don't you, uh, we all form a company together. So that's the genesis of Nourish Me. You know, we're here to nourish your body. And by the way, I own Biohack Us. Biohack.us, I own that URL. Oh, so wow. yeah, I've been, I've, I've been seriously into the biohacking world. Our seed investor is one of the biggest biohackers in the country, in the world. She's an expert in water. Her name is Tracy Dews. Uh, her, her, uh, her handle is Hydrate, the Sanctuary Hydrate. She has a great podcast. You should definitely put it on your podcast. Yeah, we'll put it in the description. Yeah, she's phenomenal. She's educated me about water. 
In the past three months, I've learned more from her on restructuring water and the benefits of water in our body uh, than I've learned in the past 50 years. She's blew me away. She's so knowledgeable in this field. And uh, so, you know, we have some amazing people, people like Ben Greenfield uh, that have uh, been taking the product. He had a shoulder pain. I gave him a dinner. This is the first time I met him. 20 minutes, I gave him 10 drops and his pain went away. And then he put me on his podcast and blew us up. That was really our coming out party after four, four years. You know, he, on our four year anniversary, he put me on his podcast and, you know, his listeners, everybody just, you know, we, I think we had a 44% conversion rate. 44%, wow. which is unheard of. On Shopify, anything above three or 4% is phenomenal. We are the top 1% on Shopify since his podcast, and we still are in the top 1%. Our, our conversion ratio is huge. It's wow. unbelievable. People come to our website, they buy. We have a 90-day um, money-back guarantee. So you buy a 30-day supply, it doesn't work. We tell you, just keep it. We'll just refund you the money. In four years, we've only had to refund $4,000. And those people kept it in four years. We've had one charge back. And there's always going to be that number. Yeah, yeah. Right? But, right? But, but the thing is, the product works, right? Yeah. So that's the key. We've that's had, the beauty. You know, on Instagram, our, my handle on Instagram is David Perez is grateful. All one word. David yep. Perez, P-E-R-E-Z is grateful. And you can also check out Nourish Me, Nourish.me. That's our website, Nourish.me. And that's the handle on Instagram, Facebook. And, you know, so we're always uh, having amazing stories. The testimonials on our website. It doesn't matter what type of inflammation you have, headaches, uh, rheumatoid arthritis, you name it, you got to see the testimonials. There's a lot of video testimonials, uh, uh, but they're on uh, Instagram. We have some on YouTube as well. And uh, it'll just, it blows me away that from a lower back pain to being able to help over 50,000 people, we've shipped to over 65 countries. Wow. And, uh, and the customers keep reordering, which is great. That's what's beautiful. Like exactly. Customers that's keep the metric in sales, yeah. right? So, yeah. So that, that's important to, you know, honor our body is what I talk about. I mean, you know, the kind of my, my, you know, I don't know if you know my whole story, but I had another accident at the age of 23 years old. I was about to turn 24 in my Porsche Strosac. And um, my, there's a little video that Arts and, and A&E did, Art and, Arts and Entertainment uh, bio of the year in 2005 they did a little story some of my humanitarian work at hurricane katrina it's an 11 minute video clip on uh the, the link is on my bio on instagram you could see that video but you got to watch the last minute it tells you about my car accident so if you stop it um unfortunately there was a young woman in the car with me it was the first time i took her on her date um and she didn't make it wow yeah so i was driving too fast we crashed unfortunately you know uh, so I lived my life after spending a year in jail, five years working in a soup kitchen, feeding the homeless and the poor in Camden, New Jersey. I live my life every day honoring her and her family and her spirits with me. And we do great works, love acts of love and kindness. I think that's the key is to be able to be able to give and serve others um, no matter what it doesn't have to be a tragedy it could just be you know you're healthy you've got you know everything going for you Connor right so it's it's great to be able to help others you know and and my life's mission is being able to follow up on what I asked her five minutes before the accident I asked her what she wanted to do uh go to college for she goes she wanted to be a doctor she wanted to save lives wow. so um I believe we're saving many lives together with her spirit and her uh 
in the memory of her on, on this Thanksgiving uh, week and this uh, holiday season, I, I honor her and her family and, and her spirits with me. Yeah, wow, and, and thank you for sharing that. That has definitely shaped your life, your why, in, in, uh, in, in so many ways. Can we take a step to when that was recent or, or when there were the repercussions in spending a year? Like what, what is going through your mind in a year's well, time? Are you meditating to get time by? Like, and, and I'm sure no, I there's... I didn't, didn't really understand meditation back then. I didn't, you know, I, I was spiritually aware, but I wasn't spiritually connected. Mm. You know, it took me five months uh, and I was ashamed of what I had done. And, and, uh, and she was young and, and, you know, I was a little older than her. And I woke up my 25th birthday in jail. So I went in the night before. Uh, and, um, you know, five months of maximum security, I wanted to take my life. I just wanted to end my life. I was so ashamed of what I had done. And then it came to me, you know, I stopped believing in God. I stopped believing in, you know, in humanity. I was like, well, it's not fair. She was innocent. She wasn't driving, and it was my fault. Why is the guilty guy behind? Why is the guy, you know, so, you know. Yeah. And uh, I realized that if I would take my life, it would hurt my mother, my sisters. I would hurt, that was a selfish thing to do. It would hurt more people that loved me. Uh, and um, so I decided to honor her, and I saw it to live life with a purpose and figure out how I can help other people. So the humanitarian work that we've done in you know, New Orleans, Haiti, Kenya, Ethiopia, Nicaragua, all around the world we do, even New York, we did a large mission here feeding 15,000 people a day. We did a big humanitarian effort in the Florida Keys during Hurricane Maria and Irma. Um, so we ran that whole operation there. You know, we, we pick up communities, we help them rebuild, we feed them, we clothe them. We give them shelter, electric, and, and we give them, most importantly, love and compassion. And I think uh, that's why God gave us two years and one mouth, so we should listen twice as much as we should talk. And working in the soup kitchen, that was kind of the most beautiful thing for me, was to be able to just sit there after we put the food out, is to sit in a line and listen to people tell me their story. So that's what your show is about, is telling a story, you know. If this story resonates with one person that can go and volunteer at Father Joe's, you know, uh, mission over here or your local church, synagogue, or just, you know, bring a meal. You know, my daughter was serving the homeless down here. She served 120 people for the day before Thanksgiving. Wow. She's 14 years old. She's been doing it since she's eight. For six years, she's been doing it with her, her local synagogue and, and a bunch of women and my ex. It's a beautiful thing. And what the kids get out of it is so much more than what the people are receiving it. You know, so it's so important that we should pay it forward somehow because we're blessed, you know. Uh, we are blessed. Liv. Look at I'm your serious. health, look at your house, look what you live, you know. And, you know, I, I believe that to be able to serve others is probably the most amazing legacy that one can leave. You know, you can't take your cars, your home, your clothes, you know, nobody's going to remember you by how many meals you ate or where you ate. You're going to be remembered by one thing and one thing only, and yep. that's our good deeds, the deeds of love and kindness. And I think that's what I try to, uh, you know, express uh, on every platform that I have the opportunity is to li live your life with a purpose and then honor your body. Because I see about 75 to 80 percent of the people in this world do not honor their body. They don't watch what they eat. They may overeat. They may eat the wrong foods, drink too much alcohol, um, 
obesity is a big problem in our country. Uh, and, you know, the mental stress that we are derived, people have stress at every age. Even if you're, you know, 10, 12 year old, you're taking a test in school. There's stress. Yeah. There's so much stress in our lives that stress is the number one factor of causing cancer, causing mental illnesses. It's stress. And then, and then the other factors is the food that we eat. You are what you eat. You eat junk food, packaged foods, McDonald's, all these preservatives, all this glyphosate, all this, all the gluten in the U.S. is polluted. It's contaminated with glyphosate. So the gluten in Europe is, is safe. There's four pesticides that you could use in Europe, and there's 100 in the U.S. that's allowed, including glyphosate, which is known to cause cancer, and they've been sued. So anything with corn is toxic. So you've got to be really careful what you eat. But our diet is not just what we put in our body by food or drink. Your diet is also how you think. Your diet is the nail polish you put on, the cream you put on your, your skin, the soap that you use, the shampoo. You know, they've seen so many clinical studies, you know, on some of these conditioners and hair laxatives. They cause fibroids. They cause cancer. There's so much toxins and everything that is sold at these stores, so you have to be really careful. Try to buy clean products. There are some websites you can go to that have tested all these things for contaminants. I highly recommend that you do a little research before you put stuff in your body or on your body. Also, you know, one of the things my father uh, and I, we used to read the newspaper every day. You know, yeah. Wall Street Journal, New York Times. And uh, back in the 90s, the front page of the New York Times was floss or die. I'm like, what the hell is that article? And I've been flossing three, four, five times a day ever since I read that article. Do you know the majority of heart disease is caused by infection in your gums and your teeth? You know, people that don't floss are much more prone to getting heart attacks. You know, that's one thing that you can't get rid of in your mouth is some of the, the bacteria and a lot of the viruses coming through, some of the foods that are left over. So flossing is so important. Managing your oral care is huge because a lot of people have gum disease. Yeah. And that just goes into your body. That's the first point of entry, you know. So flossing is important. I've learned a lot about, you know, just hygiene at, at, at all. But it's the people you keep. Your diet is also the company. The five people you surround yourself with uh, are the people that, you know, you're going to reflect who you are as a human being. And if they're alcoholics, drug addicts, you know, if they're cheaters, liars, you're going to be just like them. So yeah. always pick your company. Uh, and the, the other thing that I always say is you should start your day before you get out of bed with a prayer. In the Jewish religion, we say a small prayer. It takes 30 seconds. Yeah. Where you're thanking God for re returning your soul back to your body. Because when we sleep, our soul leaves our body. Yep. So... You'd be surprised. A lot of our vets come back, they have no arms, no legs. They can't even get out of bed by themselves, you know. And a lot of people have diseases and they're sick. But you have your health, though. So you should be grateful. Practice gratitude. I think gratitude is the number one um, reason why everybody in my family, myself, and, you know, my handle, David, is grateful, is why we are happy and healthy is because we practice gratitude, gratitude, and gratitude. Those are the first three things we do every day. We just be grateful for God. Uh, doesn't matter what God you believe in, just be grateful and a little prayer. Yeah. yeah, I believe in all of God, and I respect every religion, yep. you know, and, and I, I, I'm agnostic. The majority of the communities that I've helped in Haiti, New Orleans, New York, probably 80% have been, you know, the black communities and uh, underprivileged, uh, you know, minorities that haven't had the education, don't speak the languages. And they've just been, you know, uh, suffering because they just don't have the opportunity to get out of the hood like I did, you yeah. know. So 
Uh, I work with a lot of the, you know, minority communities around the world. You know, we built schools and libraries in Kenya, dams in uh, Ethiopia. It's amazing what happens when you bring running water to communities and you see the impact that it has where the girls can now go to school. Girls can't go to school in Kenya and Ethiopia. They have to go fetch water, which is four or five mile walk every day. But once you bring water into the schools, they can carry the water, you know, and they carry these 60 pounds, you know, water, you know, they're like, barrels on their heads with a strap yep yeah it's crazy stuff but you can change people's lives with five thousand dollars you can drill a well you can build a school for five grand with free the children you know so it doesn't take a lot of money to make an impact we build uh homes here my partner mike sherbakov he builds homes in mexico here he's done like almost 40 of them uh maybe more by now but every every couple weeks he goes down there and, and takes a family that lives in a cardboard hut and builds a home for them we build homes into 30 people it costs, you know, five, six thousand bucks, you know, 30 grand max, and you can build a multiple homes and help people change their lives, give them shelter. So water, shelter, and food is kind of the, you know, the, the staples of just having a good life, and we can do that today. I love what you just said, David. There's one big thing that I want to point out that I don't know if, if I would have noticed a year ago, and it's that you're... You know, we can talk about being a humanitarian, and this is going to be one of the questions we're going to hop into. Quality communicator, you're hitting like some of the points that I was excited to hop into. And I want to keep this going. A humanitarian, to me, is not only donating, you know, financially back, but it's more so the time. And that's the thing that I noticed with you. There's a lot of successful people in the world, and it's easy to write the check. And it's absolutely valuable. What I love when you describe these and when I'm doing my research and looking into what you did in 2005 and getting hundreds of people together to go down and help Katrina victims, right? There's an aspect of, of donating. I think that does something in the universe or to the gods. I also am a firm believer that getting involved to some degree does the, the same thing. And there's something about the combining factors what has enabled you to actually want to get involved when your time is valuable, right? You know, I'm sure you can charge a pretty penny for, for an hour of your time. For a lot of people listening, it might sound, you know, we've all heard the cliche like, yeah, give back, give back, give back. But what's funny is the majority of the people we've had on this podcast, very influential, very successful individuals, they all give back to some kind of capacity. And it took me a long time to start figuring this out, like the principles of Bob Berg and the go-giver, right? By giving, we actually get more. So if it takes the selfishness in you to think, all right, by giving, maybe something will come, maybe that'll, that'll trick it, but it's the giving is this big component for you. It's the basis for being a humanitarian. It's the basis for your why and creating a lot of these companies. And then the health component, it's all coming out of love what it's allowed you to, to kind of see both components? Or have you even thought of it like that, right? There's two aspects, but you're a lot more active and involved. What's, what's enabled that? It's a domino effect. I think um, an example of Hurricane Katrina, I got on national TV, um, Fox, CNN, all the local ABC, NBC, and, and, and I asked every Californian to give me one bottle of water to San Diego airport. I got nine million bottles of water the next day, nine million. And we shipped them, most of them, by, on jumbo jets um, and trucks. You know, we just, it was crazy. But you asked, you know, there was a storm in Dallas, Texas last year, the ice storm. Yep. So I went to my 800 Facebook followers, and I, the first time I ever asked anybody, I said, can you just, for a dollar, we can deliver two meals. Uh, we ended up 
domino effect with a few friends. We ended up delivering a million meals. So, you know, it's crazy what you can do one monkey see, monkey do, right? It's like people have to lead by example. I, I did pay for the first airplane for, uh, it was 125000 for Hurricane Katrina. A colleague of mine saw me, he donated an airplane. And next thing you know, I had a local business person donate, you know, 70 flights, 70 airplanes. I had no idea who it was till the last flight he got on it with his wife. And it's somebody I had known for many years who had sold his business for a couple billion bucks. So, you know, it's... It's the craziest thing in this world. Um, you just have to ask. You have to know that every door is open. And Dr. Phil says it best on that video, on the A&E video. He says everybody has something to give. You don't have to write a check. You could just give yeah. your time. You know. So we had 35,000 people show up for Hurricane Katrina. 35,000 people around the country at every airport. We had planes being filled you know uh, we had united airlines that uh, back then was continental and delta donating the bellies of their planes from every airport we were shipping everything right to baton rouge and gulfport mississippi you name it but you know we even got to the airline carriers when they saw the impact that we were having of bringing supplies in when our government failed us fema was nowhere around we delivered nine million bottles of water before fema and the red cross delivered a single bottle it took them two weeks for two weeks, we were supplying food, water, insulin, tampons, diapers, baby formula, everything in, in, uh, in New Orleans and, and Gulfport. So it was, a, it was a hell of an operation. I worked with the congressman, the senators, the sheriff's office, the governor. I mean, we worked. It's, you know, what happens in times of disasters, there's a breakdown in communications. And I just happened to learn to be a logistics expert over the years. I use the Rotary Club International. I use a lot of different, you know, organizations, Salvation Army. I'm now friendly with the Red Cross, the CEO, and we work together in Haiti. We work together Superstorm Sandy in New York, and we work together in the Florida Keys. The CEO, Gail McGovern, amazing human being. You know, when they understand the impact that one little guy can have and how we use faith-based organizations to deliver our aid, you know, and we show them. We show by example. You know, I get called by Governor Rick Scott, who's now a senator. You know, I'm on a press conference with him. I'm on a press conference with uh, uh, Andrew and, you know, all these senators and congressmen, you know, they call me when there's an issue. I've had two presidents call me, U.S. presidents. You know, um, and I've had presidents of, uh, of two other countries. I'm working with the president right now of uh, Haiti, wow. that new president, you know, and there's people that need the help and they just don't know how to write grants. They just don't know where to go find the funding to help rebuild communities and deliver food, water, shelter, sanitation. It's very key. There's a lot of components of, of when you're dealing in a disaster. And uh, I've been very lucky to be surrounded by some really bright people that have taught me over the years to become a logistics expert. It didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen in thin air. It was trial and error. Uh, but I'm blessed, you know. And, and the reason I'm blessed is because I try to always give selflessly. Don't expect anything in return. If you think you're going to donate a dollar... Uh, and I've donated millions of dollars over the years, but I've never, ever expect anything in return. Yeah. Zero. If you're trying to say, oh, I'm going to be a good guy and give money, and then I'm, I'm going to be... No. You give selflessly, you give from the heart, and most of the time you have to give anonymously because a lot of people that receive the aid, they don't want to know who it's from. They may not take it, especially if somebody you know, right? 
they just feel like, you know, no, 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 you know, but I love giving anonymously. I read the paper sometimes. I see people in trouble, you know. Every Sunday I do cancer runs for people who have cancer. I get in my car and I go to different hospitals. I'm flying to MD Anderson this weekend, you know, for people over there that have cancer. And I, I help them with inflammation, you know. I, it's not a cure, you know, I don't cure anything, but I help people reduce the pain. And they can live a longer life, a better quality life with some of the products and some of the, the technologies that we've been able to, uh, you know, to explore over the past, you know, five to ten years. There's a lot of things I've learned about water, about sound healing, about light, about lasers, you know, about everything. There's so many modalities uh, that we can use to heal people. And, um, you know, that's what I try to do. Everybody has, you know, a, a special circumstance, and we try to fine-tune that and bring the experts to the table. I'm not an expert by any means. You know, I'm just a, I have no degrees in, in medicine or, you know, no PhDs. I'm just an average guy, and I, I just know what works through the people that I surround myself with, which are all PhDs and MDs, an amazing group of uh, people that I've been very blessed to be with. They've all was through my whole life I've been attracted um, and they attract they come to me and ask me to help and that's what I love about being where I'm at in this world is like I can move a mountain I have been able to when people say it's impossible I've heard this from the Red Cross I've heard it from Governor Schwarzenegger when he was our governor I've heard it from a US president says what you're gonna do is impossible don't do it and I do it I get you know so I love when people say you can't do something because I see the word impossible. I see it says I am possible, not impossible. So everything is possible. And that's the way I live my life is to move mountains and, you know, to create bridges between the private and the public sector because the public sector has got a lot of issues. There's a lot of red tape. Uh, there's a lot of obstacles. And I can take the private sector and bridge it and make it make stuff happen literally overnight. I I know you can, and looking into, again, just being able to do some of the research, I was excited. This is our first time meeting today, and, and thanks again to your son, Aaron, for, for being able to connect us. I see a lot of awesome traits in, in him, too, and now just getting to hear your story, I see it. In, in some of those things that I notice, you know, being first generation in, in a lot of ways in this country, right, that's naturally going to be a drive. Growing up and having that, that pivotal being low income or, or aka like the hood in, in the northeast or jersey growing up but then being able to have influences and positive influences like your stepdad in in your life especially to come in at a pivotal time at seven right and then to experience that so you had this hard work you knew what the polarity felt like on you know this side and i know you know it creates some version of pain and i relate to you too just dealing with um you know, family members growing up and, and showing love in different ways that, that uh, might not be how you and me agree today, right? And it took me a long time to forgive and to understand, you know, that's just the way, you know, from this instance, I'm not going to say names, but this individual was raised that was love to them. Um, what I do want to hop into is you have this background, and I relate, right? I grew up on a, on a farm in Iowa, and I know a lot of our listeners, um, you know, it, probably have some version of a similar story they want to do awesome good in the world and might not have access to like cities like this and I, I say this because I've only lived here four years and I realize there's so much information and incredible information and influential people that are talking about a lot of this stuff that we're talking about today but if it was five years ago and even if I was just coming out of you know college or, or whatever because in, in that environment this would be considered somewhat you know like woohoo 
right? Or like or whatever the, the woo 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 yeah yeah woo woo woo. I'm like yeah, naming yeah, a cocktail yeah, yeah. at a bar yeah, yeah. right now. Yeah, exactly. And and I say that simply because this is so true, and it's here, and the information's out there. And I realize when I had those beliefs, it was simply the what is the word? I wasn't allowing myself to be in an educated state. Like why? why how can you have a blind opinion without you know, understanding some of these things? So where am I going down this rabbit hole with the context is you're fortunate to be connected with a lot of these successful people. You name the degrees, right? I feel very similar. I feel fortunate to have friends that are a lot smarter and a lot more influential than me. What has allowed you to do that though? Like in, in very, very just like layman's terms for anyone out there that's like, yeah, it's probably easy when, when you're a quality communicator um, and, and maybe you feel confident. Or maybe they could say, well, you have family, that you had business partners that were family and, and whatever advantage, what would you speak to that individual that you know, deep down wants to, to live a life like, like you are? So when you're building companies as an entrepreneur, a lot of CEOs, founders are really egotistic. They have a lot of a big ego, and, and you, it doesn't matter who gets the credit as long as your client gets the benefit, the value. Mm. So don't worry about who gets the credit. I think Ronald Reagan said that pretty well, and then he also said something, trust but verify. So every time somebody tells me something, I didn't believe my partners at first, but I did a lot of research. I read over 4,600 PubMed articles on curcumin, inflammation, cancer, you know, uh, rice bran, you know, aloe vera. I read all these molecules are so powerful, these immunomodulators that we have in the product with the turmeric extract. You know, the research, the studies that they did, I went through them with a fine-tooth comb. I even found some errors in the math on how they calculated the, the, uh, the, the, the percentages on uh, VEGF and TNF-alpha. I found some errors, and you know these are experts that are PhDs and editors that made some errors. So I found errors in research papers, and so I'm very OCD, very you know precise. I triple check everything. I don't believe double checking works. So if you're an entrepreneur, don't double check. If you send an email, call them, uh, text them, make sure they got the email. If you send the file, make sure they can open it, they can read it. Um, so. Triple checking is key. You have to triple check everything. Love that you say that. That's so, such a gold nugget there. And I want to make sure, like, I'm, I'm back here just taking mental notes. I ran out of pages to take notes. But that's so big even in sales, too, is, is to be able to do this and to do it effectively and, and almost build it into our day-to-day -day routine. That, that institutional approach to sales. Educate people. Be kind. Kindness gets you everywhere. Um, you know, I've been very lucky. I've had some amazing colleagues that when times are tough I need airplanes I need this whatever I need you know you just ask and it's amazing people say yes how but do you, you have to have kindness how do you ask with passion conviction and you have to have the ability to deliver what you say if you say hey I'm gonna go out to New Orleans and do X Y and Z you better do that you know and follow through on your promise uh, so I've had some amazing people uh, very prominent people in the country. Some of the people have built some of the largest computer companies in the world uh, that have helped me um, along my way. Um, you know, and uh, Richard Branson helped me with Haiti. I mean, you know, he, he was amazing. You know, I sent an email out and boom. Next thing you know, you get a fleet of Virgin America to move doctors, nurses, and supplies. Um, there were some amazing people that have helped me along the way. And those people never want the credit. 
they it's amazing they stay low they stay anonymous and that's something else i'm realizing i haven't gotten to this level yet i've i've been fortunate to do the volunteering and and in college it was um at a retirement home and and that taught me a ton about being around individuals and you know that i've lived three to four times a life and then out here I didn't know what it was for the first year, but then getting involved in Streets uh, Streets of Hope for San Diego. So there's the it's helping the homeless get back on their feet, but then also homeless children, uh, which is a, a sister kind of branch of the nonprofit. And I love that you say this because what I do notice, and I remember I also read the paper with my dad growing up. Even when I couldn't read, I wanted to hold the paper because that was just all the farmers. That's what they yep. hung out, drank coffee and did that. Um, and we would have these types of conversations and... Um, I, I realized that the anonymous donors aren't doing it for the attention. I've met a handful of professionals and, and I look up to anyone that's giving, but then you meet the ones that want their name on the cafeteria of the university, you know, and, and the, the university will make it happen, right? There's, I'm, I'm seeing there's different types of donors, but I don't know how to point my finger at it, but the anonymous ones are usually coming from a place where they've been doing this a lot longer is my guess, where it's, they know that there's something that happens in the universe and I've just barely tasted this. So I love what you're saying because I, I hope that together we can encourage others to just give in whatever way, find something meaningful because by giving something magical happens, you naturally start to automatically feel abundance and, and this gratitude feeling starts to come over and you realize, dang, I think this world's actually kind of like happening for me and like maybe Not I have a, an invisible hand like kind of pushing me in the direction that is usually it feels like it's going in the right direction. Sometimes it scares me, but I do it and I'm always happier after. I did a podcast a couple of weeks ago with Roxy and her sister Susie. They're called Straight Up Sisters. They're Latino community. I got hundreds, maybe over a thousand text messages from her listeners. Those hundreds of women, I changed their lives because they weren't honoring their body. They're just obese. They weren't taking, honoring, taking care. They weren't watching what they're eating, not exercising. They were eating garbage. And yeah, women crying, leaving me voice messages, you know, a woman wow. asking me if I want to get married. I mean, it's the craziest thing, the impact that you can make on people with just a story. And I hope your listeners will start honoring their body and uh, be able to give back in any degree. You know, uh, you know it's interesting. Um, a lot of our, our, our operations, when I go into like in New York, I wouldn't let any NGO put up their sign. Everybody wanted to put up their sign. The Red Cross gave me a quarter million dollars a week for food, catering for five and a half months. I wouldn't let them put up their sign. But they did put up their sign at the very end, you know, which is interesting because I, I just don't like people trying to raise money on other people's backs when you're in times of, uh, of despair and, yeah. and you're losing everything. So the good news is um, I empower the local communities. I hire the local people that live in the neighborhood. We hire them. We pay them. They, we get volunteers. And it's the local community that knows the people that are in need serving them. We put them to use. But the most important thing is, you know, when people lose everything in disasters, just giving them one or two hot meals a day and just having a place where they can come in and talk in a tent with heat, you know, or air conditioning. That's kind of a game changer, just giving people a hot meal because they lost everything. So, but they need to be around other people. They can't be sitting in a park or in a trailer home or, you know, and nobody wants to leave their homes. You know, so a lot of people have nowhere to go, which is crazy. 90% of the people 
don't have anywhere to go. They don't have family like we have family all, all over. Yeah. Uh, but same thing with New Orleans. That was interesting. We, we did move a lot of people. We brought a lot of people all around the country, you know, like over 300 to San Diego. We bought them. We got them. We got them homes. We got them kids in school within three, four days. And um, they all had jobs within a month, all of them, you know, thanks to the owner of uh, the Petco Park, the Padres, and, and, the, and the Chargers at the time. They were amazing. You know, those owners, they offered everybody jobs, and everybody got their own home. They didn't have to share a house. Uh, so people, families helping families and uh, inspiring other people to do great. I was on a plane about, I don't know, seven, eight years ago. And I'm sitting in coach in the middle seat, and this guy comes over to me, and he's next, you know, and he says, you know, I saw your story, and I left my job, and I started Families Helping Families here. This guy's name is Phil Harris, amazing guy, and uh, this guy's fed, I don't know, 10 million people, I mean, all over Africa, he's at every mission, he's everywhere, and they do these they do a million meals, they package them at the, at the, at the Qualcomm Stadium here. You know, a, a guy, and, and these are the kind of people that hear the stories and they, their lives change. And that's one person I'm just, you know. It I speaks get, to him. I get hundreds. Yeah. You, you got to interview Phil Harris. He's an amazing guy. Phil Harris? Phil yeah. Harris. Families Helping Families are right here in North County. I got, the guy is unbelievable. Rock star, rock star, rock star. There's yeah. people that uh, just know how to do it right and they can scale their operations on a global scale. He's one of those guys. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about influential people in your life. What percentage of those very influential people in your life from like, let's say when you were 20 till today, that upper 10, five to 10%, right? What percentage of them came through you being successful in business and exiting companies and being the board and, and being on the board and, and you know, getting these accolades? What percentage of, of your influential people came from the success in business versus the giving back? Mm, that's interesting. Um, and, and obviously this is a, a vast generalization, but yeah. this is the only way I can ask it because you have... Just I would say most of the people that I, I've met that are influential, um, we met through social circles uh, or through business, you know, social circles through business. But, um, you know, with the exception of the CEO of the Red Cross and some of the people there, you know, I met them on, you know, missions in times of need where you want to partner with everybody to help those people that are suffering to make the biggest impact. So when you when you when you're working with presidents of countries, and, uh, and I was actually translating for the president of Haiti at the time at the White House, because I speak French, and you know, he didn't know where the money was, that they, it was $564 million was raised, and he hadn't gotten a penny. He didn't realize that he had to write a grant, and he didn't know the whole process, so I wrote the grants. I reopened the General Hospital. I built, helped build the trauma centers, and the Red Cross funded everything. They were amazing. You know, but you need to communicate. So that's the biggest thing in all disasters is the breakdown of communication. So I've built a lot of relationships by just being at the right place at the right time and caring. So, you know, everything is about, you know, being at the right place at the right time. I think that's the key. And, and anybody, every door's open in this country. Every building door's open. Maybe with COVID now you have to wear a mask and there's some restrictions. But back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s is like... You know, just growing up, I mean, you have access to anybody and just... It's still true. 
Just it's be still consistent. True. It's a different strategy. Yeah, but you have to be consistent. You have to be kind. It took me like six or seven months to get through to Robinson, the, the CEO of American Express at a time when I, I had an issue with Steve Jobs and his next computers, but he finally took care of it. I got through it. I had to send roses, chocolates, holiday gifts, and I finally got through. The secretary put me through to him, and I ended up talking to him. But there is no CEO, there is no founder of any company in this world that you can't get to. And we, you, are you on Clubhouse? I am. Okay. So on Clubhouse, there was a, a big, you know, like four or 5,000 people in a room one day. And it's like, how do you access all of these big, you know, everybody's like, oh, my Rolodex, this, that, you know, it was the easiest thing to do. And I'll give your listeners a tip. You want to go meet anybody, whether it's Bill Gates, Michael Dell, Richard Branson, you know, Donna Karen, you know, Beyonce, every celebrity, everybody, CEO, you just have to find out what their social cause is. Normally, the wife has a social cause. Could be the you know Arthritis Foundation, the Cancer Society, and then you buy a table, and you buy you become a sponsor, or you buy one ticket, and then you go, and you say hello, and you meet the person. So you can go meet anybody you want. That's one way. The other way is you could be authentic and keep shooting emails at the person if you can get their email everybody you know it's funny like I know a bunch of billionaires and they they read all their emails believe it or not but they don't they don't have time to reply yeah but they will read most of them so you could shoot an email and if you if you could capture it I remember Michael Dell telling me if it's can be my preview line you got to get me in those yeah, first yep. first two or three sentences because that's how they scroll right if you can get me in my preview line uh, I'll reply you know so those are the kind of things that you just have to be creative and never give up and support, you know, nonprofits. Uh, you know, but be prepared. If you're going to go and talk to a celebrity and you want something, know what you're asking for. Don't go in and ask for a photo. The worst thing you can do with celebrity, I never ask for photos. My ex-wife used to ask for photos for everybody, but I never asked for photos. I've been with some of the top celebrities in the world and I will never, never ask them to take a photo. I, I just think that's, if they want a photo, they'll ask you. If, if they want to take a photo, then they think you should have one. They'll say, hey, do you want a photo? But I never, I never ask for photos. I, don't, I think it's a little cheesy. I think if you're, there on the, if you're a man on a mission and you want to get shit done, roll up your sleeves and have a plan. You know, the, the best book I could recommend to all your listeners do. Uh, is in 1990, came out with this book, Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Yeah. That's kind of, that's the only business book I've really ever read in my life. Uh, that one, and then I read uh, Atomic Habits just recently, which I love that. I listened to that book too. It was good on Audible. But, uh, you know, Stephen Covey says, seek first to understand them, be understood. And the most important thing is think with the end in mind. You know, if you can get out of bed and you have a blueprint uh, of what you're going to build yeah. or you have a map of where you're going to go, never leave home without a uh, map and directions of where you want to go. Yep. You, you know, success has, an, uh, as, uh, success has an address. If you know where you're going, you're going to get there. If you don't know where you're going, you're never going to get there. Yeah. So have a plan. And set some goals along the way. And I always think with the end in mind. I'm not a daydreamer. I'm a manifester. I manifest. I make shit What's happen. The difference? What's the difference? Big difference. You dream, you dream. It's dreaming. You know, manifesting is action. A lot of people have dreams, but they never can get to them because they don't take action. When you manifest something, you already know how to get it done. 
you know, manifesto. It's, it's a plan, you know. Yeah. If you Google the words, you know, a lot of dreams don't come true, you know. But if you, uh, people dream, there's too many dreamers out there, right? I like people that get up one day at a time. You know, I don't play the lottery. My lottery's getting up my health and going to work. You know, everybody that's ever won the lottery, including my mother's sister, wish they never won. Miserable people. 90% there was a I special the on it. Thing. Yeah. So don't play the lottery because you don't want to win it because you'll lose all your family and friends and yep. your life will be miserable. Uh, but manifesting things is key and being able to know where you're going to getting there and you can never do it alone. You know, eagles soar alone. But, you know, if you look at a dove, it's always got a pair, you know, and that shows love and gratitude and find your partner your better half be inspired by your girlfriend your spouse your sister my sisters were my partners for many years my ex was my partner for many years but find somebody who inspires you to do great and stay with them you know you need that support at home you don't want to do it alone because it's boring to be successful alone you get pulled in so many directions you know when you have the fancy cars and you have the the big the big homes and all the everything you want is everybody's jealous and there's a lot of you know um, people trying to pull you away to be with them right so you don't want to be pulled away you want the glue to bring you together and you want to stick together so you you know find those five people it could be family members you know and just be be true to yourself and and you know practice gratitude self-love is self-care and yeah. honor our body i think that's the key with I, a little prayer absolutely and i i love the the big word to take away there is is the practice right practice gratitude and that's how, how we've continued to talk about it i didn't realize this until the last couple of years but it is a daily practice like it's it's going to the gym for me it is before i leave bed and this was um oh gosh why am i blanking on his name right now uh in the biohacking world uh doctor oh on the mind he's he's oh my gosh i'm blanking it'll come to me in a second um from stanford the neuroplasticity it'd be here u.s based um and, and this is like a well-known name right now in uh joe dispensa okay joe yeah, yeah yeah dr joe i just talked to his uh the guy who produces his music uh goldstein i think it's uh, uh yeah i just talked to him and, and we're just trying to get some product at uh, joe right now yeah and, and, and last simply week. put it's, yeah. it's the the morning mindset and and the i see mindset, how religions yep. do this too but it's the practice is the point i want to make is that it sounds so simple and it it can be but go do it and go figure out a sustainable way to do it each day. Now, I don't remember to do it each day. Most days. Today I did. And it was immediately being grateful for another day. And that's why I relate to, you know, my soul has reentered my body. I love that. Uh, the second one is, and this is what Joe, Dr. Joe talks about, is, is getting, and I close my eyes at this point, and for five to ten seconds, if not longer, I'll visualize a little bit of the day and start to feel the emotion of excitement for the unknown. So getting excited for the unknown that's going to unfold. Now, almost always my mind goes to, oh, well, something adverse could happen. Beautiful growth opportunity, right? So just a quick reminder, and I love that you say that because your work with veterans coming home without two legs, I couldn't imagine waking up and having that, but having, again, the practice is the difference, right? It's, it's easy to read these things, but read the books, listen to the podcasts and the YouTube. It's how we start to, to apply them to our life and, and hopefully in a sustainable way. The other point I wanted to make was on manifestation. And Earl Nightingale, who I'm sure you're familiar with, talks about success being the gradual realization of a worthy ideal. 
right? So meaning success, and this was in the early 1900s that he's coming out with this. To my, in my mind, this is like the Wayne Dyer before Wayne Dyer is Earl Nightingale. And the gradual realization of a worthy ideal saying, I want to be something, and then going out every day and, and doing your best to take actions to get towards that, right? And this can be completely fine if you, you want to be a janitor, a school teacher, a mother, right? And I want to be the best stay-at-home mom and, and to give my kids the absolute love and nurturing they, they need. It's stating something, just like you had talked about with your goals, right? A ship without a plan, you know, it's, it's usually going to run up in, in the right. harbor at some point, exactly. right? Um, would you agree with, with the daily gradualization? And, and I heard this mindset in college was a professor that mentioned like, yeah, just think in the 1% mindset, right? So even on your worst day, and he's telling us in college, right? And we were going to a very notable party school uh, at the time. And he's like, just remember, and this is to the entrepreneurs, even on the days that you feel really hungover, you need to take, do one action, do the 1%, do the one action. If it's a Saturday, Sunday, Sunday morning, you feel like, who cares? How bad do you want it? And it's send at least an email that could, some version of business development. And I don't know if I applied that that well, but the methodology was, at all costs, I care about the future. And, and I love what you're saying, because when you come from this giving gratitude state, stating, I have more than enough, right? you start to attract these things. And, and you talk about where you're gonna meet these influential people. Are there any other places in particular, now that you've lived out here, you've seen the polarity of both sides, you've made the money, you've had the cars, right? A lot of the listeners aspire to do those things and, and then they don't know what's next because I'm guilty of it too, right? What, what do you know now kind of looking back in, in regards to that? Interesting, compounding question, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, compounding a lot today. Yeah, yeah, not not a problem. Uh, um, look, um, you really have to believe it in your heart. Um, we all have this mindset that we're trying to. You know, you, you hear all these people talking about mindset, 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 but I believe that we have to start focusing on heart set. You know. Is your heart in the right place? Because a lot of people say, hey, if I do this, I'm going to achieve this. If I do that, I'll get this. Stop wanting things and start building your heart and your soul. When you live in the heart and soul, then your mind comes clearer. I think Rumi says the deeper we live in our heart, the clearer the lens you know, comes. You see things better. Um, you know, you got to trust your gut. You know, a lot of people... Don't trust their gut. Damien the shark, I think, uh, Damien John. Yeah, Damien John the shark, he said it best. He said of hundreds of investments he made on Shark Tank, he was on Clubhouse. And uh, I was talking to him on Clubhouse. Blew me away. And every investment he ever made that wasn't right in his gut, he lost money on. There's very few investments that where his gut was right, the person, the product, that's where he made. And same with me. If I go back and I look at all the investments and everything that I've done in my life, and my, if I, you got to trust your gut. I remember in high school, I never used to study for tests, and I used to ace all my math tests and my science tests, and I would just always trust my gut. I would never try to go back and answer that question the second time because it would always get wrong when I would go back. Same on the SATs. I did well, but if I try to go back, you know, my practice ones, I would go back. I would do terrible, but my first shot... So you got to trust your gut because your gut is connected to your brain, vega nerve, and it's 15 inches. And yeah. what's in between there is your heart. So your heart's kind of the mediator. 
you know, and you know, we gotta have our heart set in the right place. A lot of people's heart is, are not in the right, they tell you they're gonna do things. I've, I, you know, I've had partners up and down. Everybody's been screwed, you know, in business you know, over the years, you know, and those people, um, they're not blessed. They don't have a healthy family, a healthy lifestyle. They, they are all miserable. The people that did me harm in the world is because their hearts weren't in the right place. They were just con concerned about the money and the things, acquiring things, wealth. Yeah. That's, if you stop looking at material things and start looking at humanity, you know, your heart and how we can help other people's hearts and minds, you know, uh, practice mindfulness. Meditation is amazing. But, you know, my life transformed when I discovered hot yoga, meditation. I became a better human being. I was good. I was good. I was a, I'm a great father. A, a good, I was a good husband. I was a good brother, son, uncle. But now I'm great because I defined my version 2.0. I got a software upgrade seven years ago. And it just gets better and better every day by being able to share my story. I never really got on uh, the platform until April is my first podcast ever. Wow. I, I just felt, it, since I didn't have a PhD or an MD, I didn't want to talk to people. You know, I'd rather just be the guy behind the scenes in action. And that's all I really did m most of my, my life. The guy, I didn't want to go out and talk about my accident. I didn't want to talk about certain things that I was ashamed of. Yeah. But Clubhouse gave me my voice. I met a few people on Clubhouse and they said, man, you should get on a podcast. You should talk more, you know. And I went from, you know, 100 followers one day and I woke up and the next day I had 10,000. You know, and like from 100 to 10,000 and like one day I think I got four or 5,000 followers on Clubhouse on something I said that resonated with a group of 8,000 people, you know. And it doesn't take a, a lot to really move people and the feedback that I got in Clubhouse, on Instagram, on Facebook, the feedback that I'm getting is like I'm, I'm making a difference. And so it's my heart set that led my mindset to say, hey, I don't need a PhD or an MD degree. I don't need a college degree. I'm yeah. a college dropout, you know, and my son Aaron's a college dropout too. You know, I don't know if you know that. I and didn't. Yeah, I, he dropped sure out. I mentioned that. Yeah. yeah his, his second year, he dropped out of University of Miami. And, you know, he's proud of it because I want to be like my dad. And my son Isaac got a degree uh, from Ohio State. He's a Buckeye. You know, he graduated in three years, uh, you know, with honors. He's a brilliant kid. Uh, so, look, at the end of the day, you can do whatever your heart tells you to do. It's your heart you got to follow. Let your heart, you know, tell you where to go, and then your mindset will be aligned. I think that's the key. If I had to give advice to any, you know, entrepreneur, there's so much that I've learned over the years, but when I follow my heart, it's the right thing to do. And a lot of people said to me, hey, you know, you can make more money if you go this way. You know, one billionaire said to me, do you want to be right or do you want to be rich i said sir i want to be right every single time yeah. and i will never break the law or do anything to be rich yeah. you know i spent a year in jail five years doing community service i know what it is to be away from my 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 family and everybody you know it's the worst thing to do is to not have any privileges you know when yeah. you're in jail you lose all rights in a county jail you know your life changes you become very grateful for everything when you get out of there you know yeah. because it's, it's a life-changing moment, and I wanted to make myself the best human being that I could for myself and my family. And that's the, the heart set that I live by. Yeah. 
you went through some growth opportunities in life. Yep. And, and I'm sure there's going to be more. But you have the mindset of coming from enough that, that this is my opportunity to level up and, and do it for the ones I care about, the, the real why, right? Because life almost becomes a little bit more effortless when you start to find a little bit of that congruency. I really look up to you, and I know there's levels well above what I've experienced. But just the little bit that I have, I'm like, oh, you know, this is very appealing to me. Um, you know, in these last couple of minutes, I want to maximize your time. I know you're a busy guy. Where is the best place for people to get in contact with you? Is that your Instagram? And we can include that below. Yep. And I want to include sure. the website. Instagram, yeah. David Perez is grateful. All one word. D-A-V-I-D-P-E-R-E-Z is grateful. G-R-A-T-E-F-U-L. Grateful. Beautiful. Okay. And, and, and on LinkedIn too, David Perez is grateful. Yeah. Beautiful. We'll so, include all of them. Yeah, love and, that. And I know you brought some, some goodies here. And, and I want to give you a minute to, to be able to explain... I know these are products that, that come from the work that you've done um, yep. and researched in, in a lot of the higher level biohacking. So could you just talk a little bit about this yep. for anyone that wants to continue listening? Absolutely. So um, this product here is Cogni Nourish is our flagship product, our first product that we ever launched. It's got uh, three years of rolling clinical trials or one year interventions. Uh, we did a, a study at the University of Miami uh, Miller School of Medicine on this product here. It improves memory and it also reduces inflammation by uh, 50% TNF-alpha and it improves your COG score by eight points. If you're not taking a drug, if you're taking one of the five leading drugs for Alzheimer's dementia, it improves it by four points. This is a, an amazing product. It's got a nutritional uptake. There's uh, rice bran, aloe vera, interleaf powder. Uh, there's um, Mexican yam powder, flaxseed, golden flaxseed, which is phenomenal. I just learned a little bit about this golden flaxseed, uh, more about it because a lot of research has come out. This is like a super vitamin. It's got every, like most minerals, vitamins, cofactors. Between the rice bran, the flaxseed, and the aloe vera, these are very powerful immunomodulators. So if you're experiencing any type of pain, any type of inflammation, or you just need a good you know, uptake to improve your immune system, this is a great brain booster and immunomodulator, so it improves your immune system. This should be part of your regular diet every day. Just take a couple teaspoons of this a day and uh, say goodbye to all your, your flus and viruses and all your aches and pains. And then if you take... If you take the curcumin, this I'm excited is, to yeah, test this one. Yeah, this is a this is a pretty cool product. Um, so if you take the curcumin, and you could just uh, put it some water here. We've been drinking it through the show here, and you just drop a couple drops in here. That was like six to eight drops. It's based on your weight over here. Based on your weight, tells you how many drops. These are 30-day supplies. It's a turmeric extract. It's the only water-soluble turmeric extract in the world. So yeah, so turmeric is a, is a, is a fat-soluble molecule, very hard to, to get it into your bloodstream and your gut, and that's why most people need, you know, the literature, the science on PubMed says you need 1,200 to 5,000 milligrams. What they do with 1,200 to 5,000 milligrams, we do it with 15 to 90 milligrams. Wow. And it's amazing. It's nano size. It's at the molecular level. It's a macromolecular complex. We put a little bit of iodine. There's a little of vitamin B12, D3. Uh, and, and this version here, the green one, has aloe vera, interleaf powder. And the, the one that we use, um, this is for athletes and for women's the health. The green one? Yeah, that's for athletes and women's health with the aloe vera. And then there's the one with the rice bran, which is what I just put in here. This is one of the most powerful molecules in the world. Most people don't even know anything about rice bran. It's the outer layer of, a, of the kernel of rice. It's the embryo. And um, 
most people throw that away. They shake it because all rice is brown and it turns white when you take the rice bran off. And uh, this stuff has been well-researched clinically on PubMed. There's 75 peer-reviewed published clinical studies just on the rice bran by itself. We wow. take the rice bran and we mix it with the curcumin and the iodine, the B3 and D12, and it's a game changer. If you have any liver health, any type of chronic inflammation, doesn't matter what it comes from, where it comes from, we're going to tackle that inflammation and get you out of pain and re radically reduce it literally overnight. It's fast. So if you got a headache, a migraine, say goodbye to it in minutes, hours max, uh, and you'll see significant improvement after 30 days. So take the products for 30 days. There's a 90-day money-back guarantee, like I said at the beginning. Um, these products will change your life, especially if you have any joint pain, arthritis, lower back pain, um, you know, uh, even people with various skin conditions. If you go on our website, you'll see all the testimonials on Amazon, too. You can get uh, some of the products on Amazon as well. So it's pretty interesting to, um, to be part of a, a movement that's taking food-based uh, supplements and we believe food is medicine, and medicine is food. So you don't need a lot of toxins with the over-the-counter drugs to get you addicted. So if you're suffering from any mental illnesses as well, we have a psychiatrist at, at, at Harvard University that have been using this um, as well. They've been prescribing this uh, to a lot of their patients. Uh, it's, it's really good um, you know, for stress relief. And one of the things that we do on every product that we sell on our grow sales, we give back to honor.org to our uh, Navy SEALs and, and uh, Special Forces Army Rangers. So we give a percentage of our grow sales to, to that foundation. So everything I do, all our companies, we have a social cause. And we help, um, we help uh, you know, humanity heal uh, for people that can't afford. So it's been great. We've been helping a lot of vets all around the world with... Uh, with these products over the years. So we've given millions of dollars of product away uh, and we continue to be you know, good stewards of our uh, formulations and our, uh, our environment as well. So my name is David Perez and thank you for having me. David, thank you. You are enhancing vitality of people's mind and body. I think that equals happiness and fulfillment. It is. If you were just tuning in, Rewind to the beginning. That is a hell of an episode. Thank you for being here. Every Tuesday, we drop a new Social Seller Live, our Social Seller interview to make sure we're providing you value, not, not only with influential people that I want to make sure are on your radar, but also to take some of their life advice and, and be able to, to use it and, and take action, just like we talked about today. Thank you. Cheers, Cheers David. Salute. This is awesome. Salute. Thank you.